And I'm sure some people will come straggling in, but we're going to go ahead and start. This is our first night, so I'm pretty excited. I feel like we're going to, I really am excited. Holy Spirit, I, has, I felt his excitement. Um, you know what, I remember, I'll pray in a minute. I remember when we first moved here in 2007, and this was not a, this was just an observation when I moved here. You know, before I moved here, most people know I was on staff with Bill Winston in Chicago, ran the healing ministry, ran missions, ran the mall, did a bunch of stuff for Bill Winston's ministry. But when I, you know, I I was just so accustomed to supernatural church. You know, every Sunday when we went, when I would go to church, I mean, I'm telling you, literally 500 people were saved every single Sunday, right? And then they would they would bring them into the what they called the Holy Spirit room, and they'd fill them with the Holy Spirit. Then you'd baptize them right every single Sunday, three services every single Sunday. And so it was just like an assembly line, you know? And these people were like gangbangers coming off the south side. I mean, people had some, you know, Chicago's a wild town. I mean, it's got, we don't even know what the hood is here, you know? But it was just crazy, and, and just all of the stuff that was just normal. It was just normal. I mean, People would get out of a wheelchair just because they got baptized. They'd go down in a wheelchair, come up walking. I mean, just crazy, you know, just, and it was interesting because, you know, I grew up Baptist. And I was Presbyterian, Presbyterian before I got spirit-filled and went to this church. And the long, long story how I even got to this church. Because I was like the only white girl. I loved it. I loved it so much. I miss black church so much. I just moved here and thought I'd died and gone to white people hell, you know. Um, can I just say that? Can I say it? It's okay. But, I, you know, I just missed, I miss it. You know, I miss it. But um, but also, when I moved here, I just, it felt so supernaturally dry. You know, we had all of these Christian ministries here, and we had all of these, I mean, I forget how many evangelical ministries are in Colorado Springs, but it's like they call it like, you know, the Mecca of the Christian Christian world or whatever. So I was really shocked, you know, when, when we got here and it just was so, it felt so dry. Um, just in that area, in the in signs and wonders and just supernatural Christianity, you know. Um, and if you were from Living Words, you were these people prayed. I mean, like, I always talk about Veronica Winston. Like, I've never heard a woman who can pray for an hour and not say anything but scripture. And it actually makes sense. Like, it just would go from one scripture to, in like, a whole long sentence of scripture. It was, it's a gift. Like, I don't know how you can do that. But it was just such a praying church. Like, I mean, you'd always go, and it was 20,000 people, so it was big, right? And so you just, everywhere you went, you, you were running into somebody who got prayed for someone by, from living word. And, like, there were always tests. I mean, like, you'd just be like, I'd be on an airplane. I was in the business world at the time. I'd be traveling, and I'd come back, and they'd be like, somehow I'd come up or something. Like, oh, I had a lady pray for me from living word. And, I, you know, I used to have steel in my back. And anyway, it, just, it, was just a, it was just really different when I moved here. And so for the first, you know, year or two that I was here, we just really focused on signs and wonders. You know, I did miracle school and just really focused on it. And then... Just, you know, just kind of went through different seasons and stuff. <clears throat> but I guess what I'm trying to say is my DNA has always been just crazy street ministry, just signs and wonders, just freaking people out with the Holy Spirit. And 
you know, I've just been in kind of a different season. I mean, the Emerge project was two, it's been two years of my life. I mean, just writing the curriculum for that, it's been, you know, such a, a birthing. But I'm so excited because I really felt the Lord's release to do this Supernatural series. And that there is, there's so many words over this region. You know, even when I moved here, you know, it's pretty interesting. I, I had a series of open visions before I moved here. I, I'm, I'm going to pray in a minute, but we're just going to talk for a minute. And, um, you know, in those, in, those open, in those open visions, I saw Woodland Park. And in the middle, of, I didn't know it was Woodland Park. I just saw Pikes Peak. So I was in Chicago. I didn't know. I, didn't, I think I'd been to Pikes Peak as a kid. I, I didn't really know what I was looking at. But what I saw was this place... It's interesting because in the middle of it was this place called the Sanctuary, which is, I mean, this was 2006, long before Andrew bought the property and named it the Sanctuary. And, but it was this picture of a move of God that was destined for this region. And it was a supernatural move of God. Okay, this, was a, this was a place where the glory, people were, and it wasn't like, I don't know how to describe it, except it was an atmosphere. It was an atmosphere of healing. And I want to build your faith a little bit for these meetings on Sunday nights and kind of just share some testimonies of things that have happened in our ministry um, just because I want you to experience it. And God's not a respecter of people, so if he'll do it for one person, he'll do it for anybody that's here. Okay, I mean, we've seen people come into the meeting with glasses and just during the meeting while we're reading the Bible, all of a sudden they don't need their glasses anymore. Okay, We've seen people have hair grow, okay, so they were losing hair or balding, and they got hair. I, that's one of my favorites. I like to tell the ones that are some of my favorites, because I, that's a pretty cool that, that God grew hair, right? <clears throat> We've seen people come in on all kinds of stuff, and, and when, I, when I'm sharing this, when I said an atmosphere, I want you to begin to release your faith for atmospheres, for your own atmosphere, I'm going to be doing a bunch of some teaching tonight, but just for a corporate atmosphere, because it's been a prophetic word over the region, and I think I, I think it's been, it was long a word, long before I ever got it. I mean, it wasn't my word. <laughs> it wasn't like God, this wasn't for me. <laughs> this was a regional word. I just got called to be, to move here like so many other people. Sometimes we don't even know why we moved here. We, you know, we have a set of circumstances that get us here. And then we're, we're here, right? But, I mean, this is a really interesting, that's a, that's a phenomenon in this, in this region about how many people move here because God called them to move here, you know? And so, but this atmosphere. And so I, I really want to release our faith for atmospheres, you know? And, and people, I think they're, they're, they're real. They're real. Atmosphere, you know, healing atmospheres are real. Um, how do I know? Well, why would a demon begin to manifest in Jesus' presence? Because he carried an atmosphere that caused the spiritual realm to manifest, right? You know, shadows, people being healed by people's shadows, just all that kind of, well, the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've heard stories about Benny Hinn meetings where the healings break out before he shows up at the convention center. So the because the Holy Spirit doesn't need Benny Hinn, he uses Benny Hinn and he uses us. But let's be clear: where there's faith, 
where there's an atmosphere of faith. And see, that's what I oper- that's what operated and where I came from in Chicago. I mean, it was just an at- you could feel it in the building. You'd walk in. I mean, I'd feel the presence of God on my ears and on my back. I mean, it was just you walked in a place where the tangible presence of God could be was felt, right? And each of us needs to connect more with that. So I'm going to open in prayer, and we're going to we're just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to get your faith up because I believe you're here by divine appointment. I believe that what God is doing in this hour is through divine appointments and through connections. And through circumstances, there's a whole move of God that's going on right now that if we aren't, if you aren't awake to it, you're still in the middle of it, whether you recognize it or not, you know, but when you are awake to it, life is an adventure. Life is exciting. And the stuff that you're going through becomes more tolerable, right? Because you recognize there's a work of God in it. God's doing a work in you through it. And so you can cooperate with it, you know, rather than curse the heavens. So, all right. Well, Jesus, we just welcome you. We know you're here. You were here when the first person showed up because you're in them. (laughs) And now we're gathered in your name. So now we've got a corporate Jesus here, too. We got the body of Jesus here. And that's an awesome thing. And, you know, Jesus, because of you, Holy Spirit's here, (laughs) and because Holy Spirit's here, Daddy's here, everybody's here. We've got the whole triune Godhead right here dwelling in us and with us, and we just acknowledge it. We just acknowledge you. We just take a moment and just become aware of you in us, aware of you here, and we just give you the free reign tonight to do what you want to do in us, to do what you want to do to us, and to speak to us, to use me, to use each other. We've got powerhouses in this room, Father. We have serious power in this room. Everybody in this room is so anointed. They are so dripping with glory. And Lord, I pray that their eyes would be open to the reality of what they carry, which is Jesus Christ himself, And I pray, God, that they would begin to have more confidence in that and step into new realms and dimensions of that God like never before. I pray that scales would come off people's eyes tonight. And old identities, Father, they would just be blinded by those. They would be just completely blind to those old identities and that they would wake up into the apostolic move of God that they are a part of. (laughs) Yes. And I just release us into this supernatural summer series, God. We put it, uh, we just put our agendas on the table and we say, replace it with yours. Everything you've got for this summer, God, we're saying yes and amen to. We thank you for breakthrough after breakthrough after upgrade after upgrade. We go from faith to faith this summer. We're going to faith to faith this summer. We're going to new heights this summer and our ability to believe, and our ability to receive, and our ability to release, and our ability to be who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Am I good sitting? All right. Well, where do we want to start, Pop? I'll start about, I, you know, I always start 
I always start pretty much in the same place. And the reason it never gets old is because you forget it after like five minutes. It's, it's true. We all forget it. I forget it. I, I mean, you can't be reminded enough. I mean, the, the natural realm is so loud. It's so physical. You know what I mean? And we're just physical people in a physical realm. And it just seems most days to be, it's easier to be physical than it is to be spiritual. It's easier to look in the mirror and see the natural man than it is to look in the mirror and see the spiritual man. So we just forget. We just forget, we forget, we forget. So I'm going to start in the same place I always forget and um, that we always forget about. And I'm going to bring you back to the foundation of what Christianity is all about. I like to explain it like this. Um, I can take you to a scripture. But to me, this revelation transformed my life. It transformed my ministry. It caused the atmosphere of heaven to become the atmosphere that I carried, not just in theory. You know, the kingdom of God is within us. Well, you know, if the kingdom of God is actually within us, you'd think some some stuff might be happening. You know, Jesus, everywhere he went, he was disturbing things. He was a disturbance. He was an atmospheric disturber, disturbing guy, right? I mean, just, he was always stirring it up, stirring up the spirit realm. And the foundation of the gospel, really, 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 it's, it's the mystery of the gospel. And it's in Colossians 1, I start in it all the time, 127, it says, and this is the Apostle Paul talking, he says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Now, if I back up a little bit, just so it makes sense, he's talking about his own ministry. He says, who now, I'm going to start in 24, who now rejoices, let me read in the Amplified, even now I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings on your behalf. And in my own person, I am making up whatever is still lacking and remains to be completed on our part of Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. In it, I became a minister in accordance with the divine stewardship, which was entrusted to me for you as its object and for your benefit to make the word of God fully known among you. The mystery of which was hidden for ages and generations from angels and men, but is now revealed to his holy people, the saints to whom God was pleased to make known how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ within and among you. Within and among you. The hope of realizing the glory. So the foundation of the gospel, the reason God came, was to get inside of you. People think it's just because of sin, you know, we set, we're going to heaven. It was for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, all that stuff, to me, is the fruit of what happened when he got inside of you. Because when he got inside of you, his nature became your nature. So you no longer had a sin nature, you had his nature. And he didn't just come inside of you, you also got placed inside of him. That's what I, in, in Emerge, we call that lesson the Jesus sandwich. Right? Because you're surrounded. You've got him inside and outside. It's kind of like a Oreo cookie or something, where you're, you know, the creamy feeling filling in the middle. He's inside, he's outside, right? 
So you're surrounded. And that, because of that, that's, that is your identity. That is why you're holy. That's why you're blameless. That's why you're without fault. That's why you cannot be held guilty. Because you are hidden in Christ. Matter of fact, if I'm going to find you, i got to get inside of Jesus. I'm going to have to go look for you inside of Jesus. That's why you're complete in him. You know, a really good exercise is to go through the New Testament and just go through the in him scriptures. Right? In him. Right? There are, there's now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I mean, the phrase is all over the place, but we just kind of... It just kind of, we flow with it and don't really let it sink in our union with God. And our union with God is the foundation of your relationship with God. It is the foundation of what you believe. It's not an add-on. It's not something that you add on to prayer and fasting. It's not something that you add on to tithing. Every principle of the kingdom cannot stand in and of itself. Although the principles are true. New Agers believe them. The principles are great. But the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the whole gospel is not about principles. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus. And that Jesus, whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells in, is the one that dwells in you. Okay, now this reality should transform everything about your life. And when we aren't transformed, it's because we haven't learned this yet. Our minds have not been renewed to this reality yet. Now, I'm going to go back because when I, you know, I, I, did, I wasn't always the signs and wonders girl. I wasn't always the healing ministry person. I wasn't always that person. You know, I grew up in a Baptist church. I never saw a miracle. Um, ever. You know, my mom experienced a miracle. She, my, she was from a Pentecostal background, but it was a real strict Pentecostal background, so like you couldn't cut your hair, you couldn't go swimming, couldn't go to movies, couldn't go to dances, couldn't wear makeup, couldn't wear pants. Like, I mean, terribly oppressive. So she thought the Baptist church was like liberal, she really did. So we went to the Baptist church because you could wear pants and you could wear makeup, you know? And so that was freedom for her. But we didn't see miracles. But at least in the Pentecostal church, I mean, they saw miracles, you know, they just looked ugly while they received them, you know, or whatever, you know? I mean, I remember going to these meetings as a kid. It was frightening. These ladies had big old buns, you know? And I mean, they were just crazy. Holy rollers, you know? This was like in the 70s. And so they were hilarious, crazy meetings. And I really didn't have nothing. They, were, they scared me. It was like, to me, it was like going to a voodoo meeting or something, you know. And, um, but, you know, my mom had gone to a meeting and had her legs grown out by somebody. So, she, you know, she believed in that. We just never saw it, you know. And so I didn't grow up with this. It really wasn't until my 30s that I started to recognize. Well, it's when I went to Billison Church. And I realized that signs and wonders were a normal part of Christianity. This is, it wasn't an add-on. It wasn't just, a, you know, something some people did. And I made, a, I made an inner vow, which, you know, you're not really supposed to make those inner vows, but I made one. And I said, I will never go to a church for as long as I live where signs and wonders 
are not a, a, just a normal part. Not a special part, a normal part. Because I had been, I'd been too, you know, and it's like when I went to Bethel for the first time. I was mad. I was so mad. And people were like, why were you mad? I was mad because I had been in church most of my life, gone to a Christian college, had been in all this Christian stuff all my life. You know, not only that, but was a rebellious Baptist kid, right? So I hung out with all the wrong kids, bad preacher's kids, went to Baylor. That's the worst place you want to be is with a bunch of Baptist preacher's kids, right? They are wild and crazy and out of control, a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Anyway, my point was, it was the first time I'd ever got drunk in the spirit. And I, I realized the devil, had, it was all a counterfeit. And that he had, the, the devil had made the church afraid of, of the supernatural. So the devil would have all the fun and all the semen, semen, semen have all the power too. And I was mad. I was mad. I was mad. I, I still think about it, I get mad. But you know, I walked into that place, I wouldn't even let people touch me. I didn't know them. I didn't know his ministry. I got recommend, it recommended to me, and I just kind of went because I felt like God told me to go. But I was one of those people. I was one of those people that judged it. I was one of those people that, I mean, I've always judged it. I thought, I always judged that stuff until Jesus set me free. Why am I saying that? Why am I saying all this, Lord? Because we can't stay in our current mindset and our, and our current comfort zone and really see the radical stuff that God wants to use you to do. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? See, because the Jesus doesn't conform to anyone but himself. He, he can't be poured into a religious mold. Matter of fact, the moment you think you've got him figured out, you can be sure that you just put him into a box. Right? The Bible tells us that he did so many miracles that if they were going to write it all down, that the world could not contain the, the books. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of miracles. So there's a lot of things in the Bible and a lot of things that Jesus did that we don't even know about. We don't know about the miracles, that, all the miracles that Jesus did. And here's a key scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same Jesus that we read about in the Gospels is the exact same one that lives in you. So that's why he could say the same works that he did, you're going to do. But he didn't really mean you're going to do them. He meant he was going to do them. He was going to keep on doing them. The ministry of the Holy Spirit was going to keep on being the ministry of the Holy Spirit like it was through him, except now through you. Now, I always start in this place about your union with God and about your mindsets getting... You're just your preconceived ideas about yourself, about what, how God wants to use you, about what you can do, about what you can't do, all of that mess, you've got to give God permission to mess with. 
you know, at Bethel, they made us pray a prayer out loud, and I didn't really know what I was praying. But it was a prayer that they would pray. They would just say, wreck me, God. Now, what that meant was we give you permission to come and wreck with your wrecking ball the mindsets and the strongholds that are keeping your glory from being revealed through me. Yeah? So maybe we should start with that prayer. All right? All right. So just repeat after me. Father, we give you permission to wreck us. To come with your wrecking ball, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and tear down and demolish every stronghold that is keeping me from releasing more of you. I want your glory, the fullness of your glory, all the hope of glory to be released in my life. Use me. Make me usable. Do what's necessary. I give you permission. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, y'all have no idea what y'all just prayed. But what you did is you just set yourself up for a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because God is still looking for a few good men and women. He can save by many and he can save by few. It doesn't take a whole lot. Just 12, then 120, 70, right? And it didn't take a whole lot to turn the whole place upside down. Now, the foundation, the reason why I come back to this is because if you really, really want to see signs and wonders, I used to, I mean, I've taught this for so many years. I mean, so many years, so many iterations, so many variations, so many techniques, signs and wonders, 10,050 ways to heal the sick, right? I mean, I've done this for a really long time. But it, the more I learned, the less I needed to know. Isn't that interesting how that, that, that spiritual, that's tr- usually true with spiritual things. The complicated things The more mature you get in Christ, I believe the simpler things become. Matter of fact, Paul said this. He said, I just, it just boiled down to one thing, Christ crucified. (laughs) He just boiled it down to one thing. Matter of fact, he said in Philippians that my determined purpose is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Very simple, just to know him and just understand this resurrection thing. Just simple, simple, simple. So I'm not going to teach you a ton of techniques tonight. Because if you can learn to experience your union with God, and you can just hear and have activated spiritual senses so that you can just see and hear whatever he says to do, you would be blown away by what God will do through you. You know, in my own life, many of you know this testimony, but I'm going to share it for those that don't. You know, I became an altar ministry minister pretty young in my Christian walk. Um, I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time, but spirit-filled and, you know, whatever. It, it Bill Winston's ministry. And, you know, I felt super unqualified. 
uh, because the folks that were coming up to the altar, I mean, we had one dude who was like the demon slayer guy, Minister Weston, and all he did was cast out devils at the altar. I'm telling you, everybody had a devil. But I'm, I mean, I guess they did because, I mean, it was incredible. Mean, he just was casting out that the whole time. I mean, just casting out devils. And people just had serious stuff going on. You know, and so I, they'd be coming up for prayer, and I'm thinking, I don't, I am not qualified to be up here. These are like powerhouse ministers. I'm just some young Christian person. I don't really feel qualified. But, you know, Bill Winston heard the Lord, and he recognized the call of God in my life before I recognized the call of God in my life. And so I would pray in tongues the whole service. I wouldn't even listen to the preaching. Because I was still thinking about, like, I had to pray after I'm done with service. And I was so nervous. Because I just, that, I knew these people needed a miracle, right? So I'm like, I don't know, the whole service. I mean, and this is long service, right? Like, you go to church there, you're there for three hours. You know what I mean? So this is a long, drawn-out thing I'm doing. And I'd get up there, you know, and it was just so stressful, honestly. And I remember the Lord giving me, he said, you know, I think it stressed him out. I think he was stressed, you know, and he just said, he, he began to speak to me and he started doing something that he still has done to this day. And he said, for the next year, I want you to meditate on one scripture. Now, I was in a word church, right? So, I mean, you couldn't even take notes. I mean, like you'd have five pages of notes full of the word by the time you got out every Sunday. So the idea that you were going to just have one scripture for a year just felt irresponsible. You know, but he's like, you're going to take Colossians 1.27 for a whole year, you're going to meditate on the scripture. Because you need to get out of the way. The, you're not praying for these people when they come up to the altar in the name of Shalice. Okay, this is, you are, this, this is not about you. And I want to tell you a powerful thing right now. Did you know your healing is not about you? Your, uh, just, it's, when I say it's not about you, I'm not saying that God doesn't care about you, that you're not loved. I mean, I'm not saying the gospel's not about you. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the battle has always been and always was, and the victory was won between Jesus and Satan. This is not about, I mean, this is about what Jesus did. This is about what he accomplished. This is about him becoming sin. This is about him becoming sickness. This is about him becoming death. It's about him stealing the keys of hell and death from the devil. And I mean, it's about what he did. So you really weren't, you weren't there. I mean, you were vicariously there because you were crucified with him. But you weren't, it's not about you. It's not about your sin. It's not about your diet. It's not about your habits. Like you've got to somehow earn something from God. You know, you, you, no. I mean, you weren't, even, you weren't even born yet, and this thing was dealt with. You know what I mean? So it's not about us. And so much, so many times we get our eyes on us. And we, we even think we got to get anointed. I need a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. No, you need a revelation of Christ in you. You need to connect with this thing. You know, John G. Lake, I say it all the time. I say, I say it because it's so true. He wasn't more anointed than you guys. Well, what about these, these experiences that people have? I mean, I believe in impartation, but I don't believe you. You already have it. 
It's just a releasing and a connecting with something. I mean, when I went to Bethel, I got something. I got, but, but when I say I got something, something came alive in me. You know what came alive in me? The things that were hindering that got dealt with. Pride, judgment, wrong thinking, that stuff got dealt with so that I could experience more of Holy Spirit. So, anyway, I started meditating on this scripture. And the Holy Spirit would tell me to do things like, and I know you've heard it before, but you hadn't heard it because you're still probably not doing it. You know, he told me to go stand in front of the mirror, and you stand there till you can see Jesus inside of you. You stand there till you can see my eyes in your eyes. Well, I didn't see his eyes in my eyes. I didn't even understand at that time the idea of spiritual eyesight and that your imagination is actually the way Holy Spirit speaks to you. One of the primary ways he speaks to you, your imagination. Your imagination. Your imagination are your spiritual eyes. They're the eyes of your understanding. When Paul prayed that that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, he's saying shine light in their imagination so that they can see the hope of their calling. So they can know the hope of their calling. So they can gnosko, so they can experience the hope of their calling. We need to experience the hope of our calling. Meaning we need to experience the Christ in us. We need to experience the Christ in us. Not just have a theory of the Christ in us. Not just a Bible scripture that you read and you mentally assent to, yes, Jesus is in me. Yes, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Yes. No, no, no. This has to become truth that you know. And that knowing is a Greek word called gnosko, and it is not an intellectual knowledge. It is not an intellectual understanding. It is not understanding that 2 plus 2 equals 4. It is not analytical. It is revelational. It is experiential. Matter of fact, in the uh, Jewish culture, the Greek word gnosko many times was used as an idiom for sexual intercourse. Because it was a knowing. Adam knew Eve. A knowing through experience of a thing. Right? And so experiencing your union. See, here's the thing about an encounter. Whatever you encounter, you now carry. Okay? What you encounter, you carry. Okay, that's one of the reasons why Emerge, when we develop the thing, is totally experiential. Like, I talk, I'm 20 minutes of videos. Like, I, I, you know, there's a concept you, you need to understand. Like, you do need to read the scripture. You do need to see that it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because you don't want to experience something that's not in the scripture. But when you see it, you don't know it. When you read it, you don't know it. When you memorize it, you don't know it. When you spout it out, and however we do, doesn't mean you know it. You don't know it till you've experienced it. And so that's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. You stand in front of that mirror so you can see it. And I didn't even know how to see it. I mean, I'm just like, it just was just foreign, right? And then, you know, I'm just sharing this with you because I want you, you know, I want you to receive certain things. Certain things are caught, certain things are taught. 
you know, because around that same time, I started going to, the Lord called me to this ministry that was up in Wisconsin, and it was a weekend a month for a whole year. And um, it, was, it was a place called The Sanctuary, which is also kind of interesting. And uh, the woman that led this ministry uh, was like in her 80s. She was a retired um, doctor, retired professor at the University of Wisconsin, Dr. Purnell Hewing. And I mean, she walked in incredible intimacy with God. And she was this intercessor that just prayed all the time. Uh, the, the ministry itself was a place that you went, and it had all these rooms so it was like a hotel, kind of. Um, but every room was decorated like an encounter. So like one room was like the line of the tribe of Judah room, you know, and it was red, velvet, dramatic, you know. And then they had the bridal experience room. And it literally looked like it threw up veils. Like there was, everything was veiled, you know, and white, white carpet, white bedspread. I mean, you, you really do have to have a spiritual appreciation for these things because, I mean, you, you can look at so many things. I mean, it just like now, you know, you can look at things and, what, I mean, you want me to go wash in the pool seven times? I mean, you can look at it with natural eyes and it looked like, you know, I just came from hand-caught fabrics or something. But if you will honor those things and realize, wait a second, first of all, God told me to come here. I mean, this woman, the way she would do reservations if you would fax in your res reservation and how many nights you were coming, she would pray over it and figure out which room to put you in. You know what I mean? So it was a little, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, God, where am I going to be? Am I going to be in the line of the tribe of Judah? Am I going to be in the, one was all purple royal, you know? And they all had themes and just, it was just new to me, right? I mean, this was all new to me that the Lord wanted me to go. And this woman had outlived three husbands, you didn't wear shoes in this place. You couldn't bring food in this place. If you were going to eat, you had to go out to eat. Um, what else? She would um, pray, I mean, prayed like all the time. Like that house just prayed through the rooms, prayed through the, just prayed up this place. And I'm pretty sure she set a place at, for Jesus at the table at, at, for dinner. She slept about three hours a night. She looked like she was in her 40s. She looked just incredible. I mean, just was this, I mean, you know, when you're a young believer, I mean, I didn't know much, you know what I mean? So to me, this was like going to Elisha's or something, you know, just, you're just so overwhelmed with it, you know, like this is, it's so different, and it was just like, and I remember I was just getting introduced at the, this was maybe a little bit before I was an altar minister, but I was just getting used to people that talk to God, like all the time, like, and they weren't didn't need to go, like, get a straight jacket or something. Like, I'd never met people to talk to, you know, oh, okay, what's up, you know, just talking to him all the time. Like, I, it was strange. We forget, you know, I think you forget, sometimes we forget, if you didn't grow up like that, how strange we are, you know? But I went there, and, you know, I had gotten a hold at that time also a, a ton of Andrew stuff, so I was all over the grace message. I was in Word of Faith, and this was the first kind of inner healing ministry I'd been a part of and all this. I'm sharing all of this to say this was the first time I had a real encounter with Jesus. And I don't mean, like I'm talking about the kind of encounter where you're never the same and you meet him. Like you meet him as like a real person, not just a Bible story you read. And it all happened in like a movie in my mind. 
I was driving when it happened. Like, that could not be safe. I mean, you would think. Like, that is probably, you wouldn't, you know, like, Holy Spirit, is this really a good idea for me to be driving and seeing while I'm seeing? You know? But I'm sharing this because I'm talking about experiencing experiential Christianity. And I'm telling you, the world doesn't need a sermon. You know, Jesus' disciples were not the scholars. Not that we don't need theologians. We do. There's proper places for all of those things. There's proper places for that. But unless you're called to be that, unless there's a call in your life to be the, the, uh, a Gregory Boyd or, you know, someone who's this massive theological thinker that's, you know, unveiling the scriptures in a, in a profound way to the body of Christ, then you know what? You're called to be a Peter. You're called to be a disciple. You're called to be the people that were known because they had been with Jesus. We're called to be people that have that know God. And when you know him, you talk different about him. It's not a set of rules that you talk to people about. The do's and the don'ts and the pointing out their sin and, and trying to get them to act like Christians before they even met Jesus. It's really stupid. Like we want them to clean up their act and they haven't even met the one that cleans up your act. And then we want to have them, yeah, come meet the guy that cleans up your act who doesn't like your act. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to meet that guy. I already feel judged. Like, that guy is mad at me. That guy's sending me to hell. Like, I, this guy does not sound like a friendly guy. Right? But when you experience Jesus... And you experience your healing. You experience his grace. When you experience the way he sees you. When you experience the way he talks to you. Like he really talks to you. Not the spirit of religion. Not that voice that tries to imitate Jesus. But when he actually talks to you. And the way he talks to you. You're never the same. And it changes you changes the way you see yourself. It changes the way that you see others. Right? And that's why experiential Christianity is not something to be afraid of. I mean, I get it. I get it. Sometimes people, you know, I'm the, I, I get it. I get it. Sometimes people are like, oh, stay away from that prayer mountain. That prayer mountain, that Holy Ghost church. Well, heck yeah, we're a Holy Ghost church. Why aren't you a Holy Ghost church? I mean, well, yeah, Right? Like we're, we, we, we've exalted the word of God. And I'm not, I'm not devaluing the word. I'm saying the word without experience is religion. That's what it is. It's religion. Jesus said you search the scriptures, but yet you won't come to me. We have to have an experiential experience. And I'm telling you, you will become more supernatural by accident than by learning 50 years of techniques on how to heal the sick. And we got techniques, and praise God we got techniques. But if you want the shortcut, if you want the shortcut, it's getting to know him. And the way, the reason I told you the story about this lady 
is because I didn't really agree with her theologically. But I was there a weekend every month. And I remember kind of arguing with the Lord about it a little bit. But it was also the first place I ever felt the tangible presence of God. I remember sitting in a service and feeling just my back on fire. I remember I was in the room and I felt something on, I mean, I was kind of scared because I'd never heard, you know, I, I didn't know about this stuff. Right? And I'm like, what is, what is this? What's going on? You know? I was hungry for it, but I was a little scared of it too. And that's normal. You know? And I remember telling the Lord, like, I don't know about this doctor and all that. And he just said, Shalise, I did not tell you to agree with her. He said, I told you to submit to her. I didn't even know the difference. And then I was like, he's like, she has something that you need. And it was that whole idea of like Elijah and Elisha and just you know, just being with Jesus. There's, you know, she had experience with the Lord. She had, she was carrying something supernatural. And I'm telling you, the very, from the very first moment I stepped into that, I began to experience these visions, you know, um, that were experiences with Jesus. And if that's not a regular part of your Christian walk right now, I'm going to pray for you. Because that's what happens when people hang out with me is you become an experiential Christian. Now, if you've been hanging out with me for a minute, give me an amen so it doesn't sound like I'm just saying that. Okay. <laughs> like I'm just up here saying it. No, I'm telling you this because I want, you're here because God wants, he has something else for you to experience. There is an encounter that you have yet to have that you need to have. <laughs> I felt that. I felt that. There's an encounter with your name on it. And it's not hard. It's as easy as just imagining. So, Father, I just release right now just impartation. Father, freely I receive, freely I give. I give just more capacity to experience you. I just release union experiences. I release intimate love encounters with you, with Father, with Holy Spirit. I just release movies on the screens of their imagination, God, and, and just revelation knowledge, gnosco knowledge, God, that they are encountering your heart and seeing you face-to-face, -face, not just face-to-face -face on the outside, but face-to-face -face on the inside. They're looking through your eyes. They're breathing through your nose. They're tasting with your tongue. They're feeling with your hands. Lord, they're walking in your body. They are your body. They need to experience what it means to be your body. And so I just release that in Jesus' name. I release that. Whew. And so I just stood in front of the mirror, and I just till I could see it. And I remember the Lord took me at one point because he wanted to make sure I saw it right. You know, because sometimes we think the Jesus in us is sweet little Jesus. You know, I don't, we don't think it's baby Jesus, you know, because that would be silly, a baby in us. But we think, you know, it's Jesus walking down the Sea of Galilee, or it's Jesus whatever, you know healing the leper, you know, doing his earthly ministry, which is, praise God, that's better than not. But that's not the Jesus in you. Okay, the Jesus in you is the resurrected, risen, 
ascended, preeminent one. The one that fills all things. The one through all. Hey, Katie, you're disturbing my preaching. She's amen in it. Well, amen. Amen. And so he took me to Revelation chapter 1. And I know you guys have heard this. I know it. If you've been with me for more than five minutes. But you need to hear it again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, there are miracles with your name on them. There's just miracles that are that are so, that, that have your name on them. You're gonna work through the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are gonna move through. You're gonna be the vessel. You're gonna be the vessel. You're gonna be in the right place at the right time, and you're gonna know the right thing, and you're gonna function in it. And Revelation, here's what it says. This is where he took me. <laughs> he took me to Revelation chapter one, verse ten, because he, he said, "I want you to make sure you're seeing who's really in you." He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of of a trumpet. So first of all, this is Jesus' voice, okay? And it sounds like a trumpet. Right? That's incredible. Then it says, saying, this is what he said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see right in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. I'm not going to read all those names. In verse 12 it says, And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified because gird about the paps. Like, what does that mean? Anyway. It says, clothed with a robe which reached to his feet. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. With a girdle of gold about his breast. Okay? Then it says, his head and his hair were white like white wool. As white as snow. So we've had some snow this week up here in Woodland Park. That white is the color of his hair. And his eyes flashed like a flame of fire. Now, I call this scary Jesus. Now, we shouldn't be scared of Jesus. But I have to tell you, this picture is incredible. It says here, his feet glowed like burnished bright bronze, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. No idea how you do that. And from his mouth there came forth a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full power at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. Well, I guess so. But he had his right hand on me, 
But he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. And the ever-living one. I am living in the eternity of eternities. I died, but see, I'm alive forevermore. And I possess the keys of hell and death. Now that is who lives in you. So I go back to the mirror. Now it's scary Jesus. I'm not just trying to see Jesus. Now I got to see scary Jesus, right? Eyes of fire, face like, wrong. I mean, you know, this is, wow, right? But I stood there and I stood there and I stood there and I saw it. And I saw it. And I saw it. And at the time, when all this started happening, I was an altar minister, but I was still working in corporate. I had not gone to work for the ministry yet. I was just a normal salesperson, going on my sales calls, going to my clients and stuff. But I was doing street ministry like crazy, not because I was some street minister, but just because God had people on the street that he actually wanted to minister to. And I just happened to be there. The first time it happened, I was in Starbucks on my way to work in my little business suit, driving my little Audi in downtown Chicago. Pulled into my little Starbucks stop, going in to get my little coffee before I head down to the corporate office. And there's Alice, the crackhead, standing outside the Starbucks. She at least didn't talk to crackheads, especially in her business suit. Right? I'm just trying to get my latte. And I hear this voice say, go outside and talk to her. I thought... Turn around and look around, like, who's talking? And it was like the Holy Spirit joking, you know who's talking. You can go out there and talk. I was like, she doesn't have no teeth. Like, she's got a thing on her head, you know? I mean, like, what am I going to say? And I sat there and argued the entire time. I'm going to be late to work. I don't have time. What am I going to say? I don't know what's up. But I didn't scare Jesus, right? So... I kind of get this thing, okay, scary Jesus, okay, I get it, I'm scary Jesus. And so, but then I'm like, I still don't really believe it. So I said, I walked out, got my car, and I said, if that's you, I have to get some gas. If that's you, you make her come to me. So I played this little game. Went across the street, sure enough, this, you know, woman stumbles, three block, you know, over this, jaywalks, and walks up right behind my car. I'm like, oh, my God. And I, mean, I still didn't know what I was supposed to say. I just turned around, and the moment I turned, I was like Saul. I became another man. You know what I mean? Just I turned, and it was just like all of a sudden what came out of my mouth was, you're living somebody else's life. And I just spoke to her. And I said, you've been praying. I didn't even know what I was saying. And if you're, and, and she had been praying. This woman was a nurse. She had three kids. She was living on the streets. She hadn't eaten in days. So I went and bought her a sandwich, and I said, okay, well, if you want to be set free, Alice, meet me outside of Starbucks on Sunday morning at 7. I'll take you to church. That was my first encounter with the scary Jesus in me. 
And we ended up, I mean, crazy. She went down in that baptismal pole. I took her to breakfast. She had pancakes. She was stone cold sober. She was so high going to church. Like, the Holy Spirit had to tell me what song to play. I mean, she was jacked up. Couldn't even hardly get her in the building. Those demons did not want to go inside. She slept through the entire service. I had to wake her up to go down to the altar call. Like, first of all, you don't sleep on crack. You know, like, that was crazy, too. But, man, she went down in that water. <sighs> came up a completely different woman. Took her to breakfast in her right mind. And that was the door. See, that was the door. Because then Alice led to Mrs. Brown. And Mrs. Brown lived on the south side. And Mrs. Brown's house, everybody crashed at Mrs. Brown's house in the hood. And poor Mrs. Brown, she'd been in pain and stuck in a chair. Couldn't get out of her chair. You know, I mean, she was like one of these, I remember, she was, you know, she had plastic on all of her furniture, bless her heart. She was a sweet, she was probably in her 70s, sweet, sweet lady. And, but man, these just drug addicts just lived in her house, basically. Just people crashing all the time over there, in and out, in and out of Mrs. Brown's house. Some of them were related, some of them were friends of people that related. And that's how the ministry door started to open for me on the south side of Chicago. It was crazy what God led me into. But, you know, he didn't lead me into that before I met Scary Jesus. And I'm telling you, in that season of my life, because I would meditate on that and I would see it in the mirror, all right, I, I could go to the gas station. Heroin addicts would come up to my window and knock on my window. I'd have to roll down my window. And I was, you know, a little, I was little, you know, and I'd just stick out my hand. And people would get delivered. You know, there was, I mean, I can't tell you the angels. Because it was crazy, you know, where God had me. But, I mean, there were times that I would see people walking. And then you'd turn and then they wouldn't be there anymore. You just knew, you, were, you either thought you were crazy, but you knew what you were doing was Jesus. So you just, you just went with it. You just went with it. Now, you're talking to someone who, you know, a year before that had manic depression, had so many problems. I mean, I was not this likely candidate to be used by God in this way. You know, I didn't because I had all my act, it wasn't because I had my act together. Matter of fact, I was getting my act together. And God was using these experiences to help me get my act together. I was telling someone the other day, I said, you know, you know, promotion, people think you earn promotion from God. You know, the Gospels, half of the stuff that Jesus preached in the Gospels was just hyper law. Just hyper law. He's like, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall no way enter the kingdom of God. Well, yeah, you won't, because you're going to have to believe on him to be your righteousness. I mean, we take these things like there's something we're supposed to do to inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, he had a different answer for everybody that asked him. What shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, you know the commandments. Sell everything you got. I mean, you know, he had a different, I mean, you know what I mean? Like he was just messing with the, the religious system of the day. Messing with it. You know, promotion in the kingdom comes from being dependent. 
it comes from being, humility is not thinking low of yourself. It's forgetting yourself. Meaning, it's just your, it doesn't mean you're forgetting yourself because you are a piece of dung or something. It's not a low opinion of yourself. It's just being Christ conscious. Conscious. I mean, when Jesus was humble because he didn't do anything on his own. He said, what I, where the Father does, that's what I do. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, that could be arrogant. If you've seen me, you see Jesus. Well, that sounds arrogant. That's not arrogant. That's humble. It's an identity. I mean, the signs and wonders, signs and wonders are a function. Flow best. You can do them. You can do them. You can do them without this. You can go get a class on how to heal the sick, and you can learn some techniques, and because you're using Jesus' name, people are going to get healed. Matter of fact, the Bible says people do signs and wonders in my name, but I never knew them. Knowing him is the door. And experiencing that union. Oh, it's so good. You know, because then, you know, I'd go teach this in the school ministry up at Living Word, and so fun. Because, you know, it's a pretty, pretty conservative place, so everybody wears suits and stuff. And, you know, and I mean, I just get them all drunk in the spirit and just whack, you know, just totally blow their minds, you know, because, I mean, we do this exercise, which we're going to do in a minute, and we'd step into Christ and we'd experience union. And I'm telling you, the, just the glory level in that room would just whoo, increase. Because you had all, you, you know, how many ever people all experiencing their union? And then they would just minister to each other. So I'd say, don't, you know, I'm not asking you to pray a specific kind of prayer. Just whatever you see or hear in that place, you do it. And so it was just like, you know, all of a sudden they're doing signs and wonders. Just because they're experiencing union. They're living how Jesus lived. One with the Father. One with the Spirit. And relying on him to tell them what to do. You know, in my, all my years of training prophetic teams, no one ever thinks they can prophesy on demand before they prophesy on demand. Most people are like, I can't prophesy on demand. I don't know when they think they can prophesy. Like maybe it just hits them like, you know, a breeze in the, or something, you know. But they're like, you can't, how do you, you can't And I was like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you, you actually can. And I, to prove it, I'm going to put you in this chair, and you're going to sit there. When somebody comes up, you're going to actually prophesy to them. And, you know, without fail, I don't think we've ever had one person in all the years we've trained people that ultimately couldn't do it. Why? Because the same Jesus that raised up Jesus, I mean, the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead dwells in you. This, you know, the Holy Spirit's gifts are his gifts. So you go, what gift do you have? You have none. You have the one that has the gifts. Way better than a gift. You have the Holy Spirit who has gifts. So he can, I mean, you know, and even getting drunk in the Spirit, people are like, well, what is all that about? I'm like, you minister that like you do praying in tongues. People receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, people receive the overflow of the Holy Ghost the same way. You just find a bartender. Find somebody who's filled with the Holy Ghost and drinks. 
and you just get a drink from them. Pretty soon you're a drunk too. That's scriptural. I'll tell you what, being, being drunk is when you're awake. The Bible says, don't be, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he compares the two. Why? Because you need to lose your mind. You need to lose your analytical, scaredy cat mind. Who cares about your reputation? Who cares of what other people think about you? Who's afraid to get out of the box and look foolish? But that's exactly the people that walk on water. The people that walk on water are not afraid to look foolish. The people that walk on water put their foot in their mouth. Peter was a big old, put his big old foot in his big old mouth all the time. But he got out of the boat. I relate a lot to Peter. I'm 20 miles down the road before I realized I was supposed to go somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just the way I was. I'm engineered that way, you know? But that gets you in a lot of trouble sometimes, you know? But when you got Holy Ghost and you got Jesus and you got the Father, you know what? They are so, they love that about me. They are not trying to bring that back in and use some wisdom. Use some wisdom, girl. No, you know, no, he's like, push the limit, girl. Push it. I got your back. I'll finance your learning curve. Yeah. It's a big daddy. All right, so everybody stand up. We're going to step into Jesus. Whoo, I get excited. Holy Ghost gets excited. All right, so close your eyes. First of all, do this. I'm going to put your hands over your eyes. And I know most of you already got this, but we're just going to pray for more because there's always more. And so, Jesus, we just ask you to shine the light. Shine that light. Shine the light so bright that that light that shone around Paul, <laughs> that blinding light, that blinding light. We, aren't, we don't want to go physically blind, but we do want to go not with, we don't want to lose our physical sight, but we want to lose our natural sight and the way we evaluate things where we just want that light to shine so bright and undo the curse, undo the work that Eve did and Adam did, Lord. Just undo that in our eyes right now to a greater degree. Shine the light, shine the light, enlighten eyes, enlighten eyes. We release, Lord, just uh, the gift of discerning of spirits. We release visions and, and trances and all kinds of supernatural experiences, God. We declare we can see. And I take authority over the spirit of blindness right now in Jesus' name. And I break that off of you in Jesus' name. And just re repeat, repeat after me in case you've said this. Say, I renounce the lie that I don't see visions. That I'm not a seer. That I, that's just not who I am. I break that lie off of me. Because Jesus came to restore sight to the blind. And Paul told us to pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. So I am a seer. Holy Spirit, you can use my imagination to a greater degree. You can hijack it. And you can, you, you can give me all kinds of visions. 
you can, inter- inter- you can interrupt my dreams. And you can have my dreams. You can show up in my dreams, Jesus. You can teach me things in my dreams. And you can use my dreams to renew my mind and, and uh, change the way I think at a subconscious level. You can use my eyes however you'd like, however you'd like to use my imagination. Feel free in Jesus' name. Okay, now sit down for a second because when I was praying that prayer, the Lord wanted me to share something because I want to pray one other thing. So just one second, and we're going to do our activation. Okay, at that same time, I forgot this part of the story. I'm telling this story for a reason because it's not just my story. Any more than when when God sent me to see Dr. Hewing and her intimacy with God was her intimacy with God. I went to go see her because that was who I was called to be. I was called to be an intimacy with God person. I was called to be an encounter girl. I was called to lead people into experiential Christianity and so that they experience their union with God and from that place all of a sudden start to live supernaturally and become whoever God called them to be. Because whoever you're called to be, you're going to have to do that with union with Christ because your full potential won't be released until then. You might have some potential, but not your full potential because your full potential is found in Christ. And you're called to do supernatural exploits. That business you've got, Mike, is a supernatural business. It's a supernatural business. It's a supernatural increase. It's supernatural what we're called to do. You know, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest things the enemy tries to do is condemn us for not being able to do what only he can do. He tries to get us to work to do what can only happen supernaturally. That's a good word right there. But anyway, this is why I stopped to do this real quick. So in that same season, I started having dreams. And I'm talking dream after dream every night. Every night I'm doing the street ministry, and I'd go to sleep at night, and I was like, Shalice the demon slayer. And every dream was like, 5,000 ways to cast out a devil. Like, I mean, I'd cast him out. I mean, it, was, it literally was like Buffy. The, I never really watched that show, but it seems like that would be, I've seen little pieces of it or whatever. You know, she'd be, you know, I mean, just cast them out all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. Why? Because I'm telling you, I was being made fearless. Fearless of the demonic. Fearless of that realm. And I was becoming someone in that season. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Shalice, I know. That's who I was becoming. And let me tell you, to this day, I know they know. That's half the reason why I've had so much opposition, because I, they know I know. I forget. I forget, but they don't forget. They don't forget. They try to make you forget. And I was becoming just more and more. And I'm telling you, that's what started happening. They just began to manifest wherever you'd go, just woo. It was awesome. So God wants to do some things in your dreams. And I can't tell you the number of people that that's happened to that have been connected to me before. I mean, I'll show up there sometimes. (laughs) I get in their dreams. 
sometimes. I don't be surprised if I show up. I don't, whatever I'm doing, that's a Holy Ghost. Because I didn't, I'm not trying to be there. <laughs> I'm not at night going, okay, I'm going to go visit Bean tonight. No, <laughs> I don't do that. But it, it just, I'm just saying. I want you to release, I want you to receive that. I mean, my, my, there's so much supernatural stuff in my life, like that God has done. It's so awesome. And I know you all have your own stories too, but it's just, there's more. I'm in the midst of more. We're in the midst of more right now. Right now, God is doing something in our lives. More. More, 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 more. More. And this region is destined for more. For more. Okay, so let's stand up. Let's do our, do our deal. I wanted to get that out because I want to release that too. Dreams, dreams, dreams. That are establishing identity. That are establishing authority. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now, um, I want you just to imagine with me. We'll start with something easy just because I want to make sure everybody can do this. So close your eyes. And this is what I do, so just go with it. Um, I want everyone to imagine a red fire truck. There's a red fire truck. And just make a note of where it is. It is in the fire station. Is it on the street? Is it going to a fire? And just yell it out. Tell me where you're seeing it. Down the street, firehouse. Okay, is everybody, does anybody not see a red fire truck? Because sometimes, let me just say this, sometimes kids got in trouble for daydreaming, these little kids, or they got in trouble for using their imaginations. And so sometimes they shut those things, you know, they don't, you can't, there's, uh, there's some lies that you've got to deal with. But everybody seeing that? Okay, then we're good to go. All right, now just keep your eyes closed. I want, to, I want you to see yourself standing in front of a mirror. Okay, now this mirror is in the realm of the spirit. So this is, this can be in anywhere, really. I mean, you maybe find your mirror in the middle of a forest. You may find your mirror in the middle of a royal mansion. And it be, whatever kind of mirror it is. Okay, I mean, I, the one I'm seeing is, I'm not going to tell you because it may mess you up. But you, you got, so you're standing there seeing your reflection. Okay, now just notice kind of what you're wearing. Look at your reflection for a moment. And then I want you to just see Jesus come up behind you. So now it's you and Jesus. Both of the reflections are in the mirror. Now usually this is the kind of encounters you hear about. I'm just going to keep, you just you stay there, but I'm going to talk for a minute. You know, you hear about, oh, I went to the throne room. Well, praise God you went to the throne room. Did you get in Jesus on the throne? Oh, I went to the courts of heaven. Well, praise God. Did you get inside the judge? Okay, now, at some point, Jesus is just going to kind of stand behind you. And then he's going to step into you. So just let, let him... Just step in, and now it's you and him. Now, at this point, you may see, you know, different ways that sometimes people see it. I'm just going to share some that may help you. 
Sometimes they see kind of their reflection and his reflection kind of fading in and out. Okay. If you notice your hands, you should see some impression of, a, of, of, or your wrist, you should see some kind of nails, scars. And if you're wearing shoes, kick them off and look at your feet. And I want you just to just hear what he's saying. Okay, and then so at this point, you know, this is a this is kind of Christ in you. Now I want you to let the Christ in you, you shrink into that or have it come and be the forefront so that Jesus' reflection is what you see in the mirror. And now you're in him. Now, I want you to let yourself kind of come back to the self that you, you know, so that you can see your reflection. But I want you to let Jesus take you somewhere, wherever he wants to take you, and let him show you doing something, whatever that is he wants you to do, but you're doing it together. As one, he's in you at this point. It's you, it's, a, you know, Jesus in a Christ suit. See where he wants you to, where, what he wants you to do. I mean, it may be something spectacular. It may just be a picnic. I mean, it's wherever he wants to go. We're going to stay here just about another 30 seconds, and then we're going to share. We'll just kind of come back and you can sit as you're able. Now, I just want to hear from a couple of people and share with me what they experienced. You want to share? You want to share? Okay, here. 
Okay. I am afraid of water. I come from Arizona, and I consider myself a desert rat. And today I went on a horse ride that I haven't been in probably, well, I don't know, it's been a long, long time since I rode my horses. And so I really don't understand why I started in water, coming down a waterfall. And I came down a waterfall, and it was a tall waterfall, like Lake Havasu waterfall. Like like Havasu is a long one, and it just falls into pool after pool. <laughs> and it was beautiful. And I went under the water, and it was like I could really see a lot of stuff. And it was beautiful under there. <laughs> And then came up out of the water, and I was really tired and cold, and because I'm afraid of water, I guess probably, but swam to the shore, and it was just beautiful. I climbed up on a log, and I sat on the log, and it was really warm, and I don't know, that was it. When you told us to, I did. It was a round oak oval. I think it was probably in one of my bedrooms. It was kind of dark. It was kind of difficult because I never wear dresses. I'm not a dress person, and I was in a pink and green dress, long, flowing dress, and it just, I kept saying, no, that's not me, and so I kept trying to see myself like, you know, yeah, my clothes. It was hard. Um, but to see Jesus step, come behind me and step inside me, um, it, it was, a, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, so maybe I have to practice that more. Things are significant. None of it's by, like, happenstance. I mean, everything is very, very specific. And Holy Spirit picks it for specific reasons. Okay? So, also recognizing... Uh, the way you feel, the, the uncomfortableness, or all of that stuff is very important. So that's very, you know, it's awesome that you're so self-aware in that. Um, now, let me share this, okay? In any prophetic or supernatural encounter type of experience like this, depending on how well you understand it, or, you know, it's just, it's just pretty literal, you know? It just feels very literal, meaning we had a conversation, and I understood the conversation, and this was kind of what it was. That's, you know, one level. But when there's a lot of things that are symbolic and you don't understand why and all those things, well, you know, there's, there's three parts of any prophetic experience. There's the receiving of it, okay, which is what you just did. You just experienced it, okay? But then there's the second part of it, which is the interpretation of it, right? And so that's sometimes, you know, harder. And what happens a lot of times is that we have a tendency just to, think we already know. 
you know, and plus we've read a lot of dream symbol books and we know blue is revelation and we know, you know, I mean, like we have all these, pre sometimes like a lot of preconceived ideas about what things are. But real, um, one of the things you do, because the whole exercise is about experience, intimacy, and, and union, is that you want to stay really dependent. So a lot of times when you go through these things, you want to write it down and you want to ask the Holy Spirit. So why did you have me in a waterfall? What was going on under there? Why did I feel cold? Why was I scared? Am I scared of water? Why am I afraid of water? And then you had me in this dress. I don't even identify with that. Like, what's up with this dress? You know? So you ask, and you start a dialogue. You actually start a dialogue about these things. And a lot of times I'll say this too. Even in our relationships with God where we're dialoguing, a lot of times we're controlling the thing. You know, we're controlling the conversation. We're, we're asking this lines of questioning. And our little thinking is so incredibly small. You know, God's, you know, remember when Jesus said, I have much to tell you, but you just can't bear it yet? You know, it's because we're about, we're about 20 million upgrades away from his mind. And so it's really brilliant to let him lead and say things like, what questions should I be asking? What conversation do you want to have? You know? So that's just another little tip. Um, so those are all things. But here's the thing. Don't leave an encounter with those things unresolved. Meaning, make sure you spend time with the Lord in that. If he's going to take the time to show you all that, then let's not just, oh, I just had a spiritual encounter. Woo! You know, and then whatever. Cool vision. Right? Like he's, he's trying to say something. And his language is different. You know, his language is different. His, it's beautiful and symbolic and, and deep and multidimensional and truth that is inside, you know. And here's the thing, too. I mean, the thing about encounters, encounters with God are what transform us. Revelation that we get ourselves is what transforms us. When, when the Holy Spirit takes the scripture and makes it real to us, it, you know, and we experience his revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him is the, the thing that Paul prayed right before the enlightened eyes. That he would, God would grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Wow, what a great prayer. A spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. You know, and so... He, he's, he's deep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's deep, he's wide, he's, he's blah. So those are awesome things. But you have homework, right? You have homework. And I'm just going to sit for a moment and, um, yeah, it's very specific. There's some very specific things that he's speaking to you about this, in this vision. And they're very specific about the season in your life and what he's doing in your life. I feel like there's a, more to this. The dress thing is about an image, your own self-image, of course. Yeah, you know. But it's, there's something in that specifically that he's wanting to point out to you that you're, you, you're, you're not, you, you have a, you have a something about, there's something in your mind that he wants to touch that has to do with your identity.
something has been shut down. And he's knocking at the door to bring that back. All right. Who else wants to? So, and let me say this too. When you, when you fellowship with the Lord, who do you primarily usually fellowship with? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit. Jesus, okay. All right. Okay. Because sometimes if you have trouble in this area, it's because you, you know, Sometimes you aren't fellowshipping. You fellowship more with the Father. You fellowship more with Holy Spirit. And so an encounter with Jesus is not as comfortable sometimes for people. Yeah, so is Jesus. So that's not it. Okay. So then you ask Holy Spirit, why was this difficult? Why was it difficult? What's, you know, you ask him. You don't have to know. You're not asking you, why is this difficult? No, <laughs> you know, no. You're asking him. Why am I experiencing these things in, in all of that? Is that good? That's all right. You think he's surprised? But do you think he's surprised? Yeah. And do you think that's maybe why that's a part of it too? Yeah? Yeah. All right. So he's, he's ready to argue. He's okay with that. He is. He, he, he is so not afraid to fight with our unbelief. No, not at all. Not intimidated a bit. And he knows just what to say. And he knows when to say it and when to be quiet. He's so patient. He's awesome. A curve. Silver. And did you, what were you wearing, Ray? What, what, what was it, like a, just normal clothes or normal clothes, gotcha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I remember that vision. Now, did you see that again today or did you see something different today? Okay. Did you see Jesus walk up behind you? And did you did he step in? He did. Okay. Yeah. And could you see the nail scars? And you didn't see that. Okay. I did tell you. It's hard sometimes when you're in it to listen to. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And how was what was that to you? What was that? What did that do for you? It blessed you. Did it, does, does it help you remember who you are? Mm-hmm. Does everyone agree? It reminds you. Mm-hmm. And it reminds us how often a cross, okay? Okay. Before your face. Okay, so that's significant. It's, see, everybody's got something different. And every bit of it's significant. Remember when uh, God said in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? You know, and he saw an almond rod, and then he saw a boiling pot, and then he, he was having a conversation with him about his vision. You've seen well, Jeremiah. And then he would interpret it. Remember that? Tell Jeremiah, what, what, and we can go look at it if you need me to, but 
you can read it in chapter 1 where, you know, he was telling Jeremiah, what do you see? And then he would just straight up go and give him the interpretation of what he saw. So good. Incorporate that into your time with God, you know. Look, Lord, what do you want to show me? And then after he does, don't freak out. I saw four creatures around. You know, and then we just run out of our prayer closet. Was that God? I don't know if that was God. You know, and you're like, whoa, you know, back up. (laughs) The same spirit that, you know, gave it to you knows how to interpret it for you. Doesn't it, Katie? Yeah. All right, who else wants to share? Okay. I want to share because I realize as I'm sitting here and looking up, I was on those rocks. And so I thought, well, that is significant. I don't know why, but I didn't even see those as rocks until I had this experience. So the one, I was kind of excited about that red fire truck. I don't know if anybody else was, but I got it. My red fire truck was lights flying, and it, it was ex- it was exciting, was it? Okay, let's go. All right. Well, we'll we'll meet after at you know yeah. Exactly. So I it was it just really caught my attention, and it was shiny red. And so then you said you know we'll now look out or or something, and so then I had to stop and look. But I love that. That's why this guided kind of meditation is good. Um, so I was up in a higher building looking out. And uh, when I saw the mirror, uh, Jesus came, as you guided us, Jesus come behind me. And it was like so romantic and so wonderful. But I was like almost not embarrassed, but it was like a little too intimate to be in this room. You know, and, and Shalice was moving on because we were doing this as a group and it was like oh I don't want to leave that but on the other hand I was a little bit uncomfortable it was a little too close for me and so I say that because I want it not to be close and you got to go back and I felt like he was saying that to me um, as well but you know, that that real, and I looked real pretty, just like you, I had on a dress, like a white dress, and that was a little uncomfortable to me, but I thought, but I liked it. I liked him coming up. I liked looking pretty, and I leaned into the uh, mirror, you know, as he stepped in. I was kind of relieved when you said he let him step in, you know, be him, and I liked kind of being, it was like the ultimate in submission, that was so comfortable. I was still there, but he was protecting me, sort of. I could hide behind him. And I leaned into that mirror to see if I had fire in my eyes. I was so did you, I was so excited about that anyway, so without going into um, but somewhere I wanted it to be practical, and so you had us go in and out. And I was amazed at that because I was like liking looking at him. And then she'd say, okay, now you see yourself. And I was like, oh, I wasn't ready. I was enjoying this. But I knew I could go back. I knew this was just putting me in areas I might not do on my own. That's what's so powerful about it. And so then I'd be myself again. And But I'd go back and forth. And I feel like that was one of the biggest revelations. I had to stop and write that. This awareness, we are one. Is it me? Is it him? You know, and I thought, I, I like this. 
we can float in and out together. Anyway, the next thing I knew, we're at these rocks. And up here, you know, in Woodland Park, there are areas with rocks on them. And I thought, I wish I had gotten into that when I was a little bit younger, a little more limber. But I, know, but I still didn't give up. I still was going up. I knew I could get to part of it. So that was me going. I could see me. And then when we got to a hard part, like way up high, he wanted to do, somebody said picnic. I guess you said picnic. I thought, yeah. And I realized the Lord said, that's right. You do, I want to do your heart's desire. So I could interact in this. I didn't have to just be a victim to what he did. This was a relationship we had going. I thought, I'd love a, I'd love a picnic up there if I didn't have to pack it and if I didn't have to get up there. You know what I mean? And, and of course, I, this is the supernatural God, so it was great. But I got to a place, like to that first rim, and I made it up there. And um, I thought, oh, I wanted the picnic on the tip top. And it was like, well, then let me lead this time. So S Susan got to that place, and I was proud of myself for that. You know, it's like we feel confident with Jesus. And, but the hard part, he took it from there and took me the time. So I feel like that was so significant that when I need him to be the strong one, he's the strong one. You know, and I could rely on him. And when I needed to do something... He was still in me, empowering me, cheerful. I don't know everything about it, but it was, when I saw that, when I sat back and saw it, I thought, that I've got to just speak this because it is, and I will ask the Lord more what that means. I don't even know if you meant that to be a rock when you used that, but it was like those red rocks of, um, but it was fun, and the view was incredible on the rock. I could see more. So. You got to write this down. Not now, but tonight. Okay, before you go to bed, five minutes or whatever, write it down. Okay, and then at some point, you know, over the next week or so, meditate on it, get more revelation from it. Because there's, there's guidance in this for some folks. There's just some, some stuff in there for that. So I... Um, questions. Is there any questions about that whole thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, he's just taking you to places that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think you get, you get, you, here, let me just say this, though. You just get to be you. You do not have to come with, you get to just be you. And if it's cold, it's cold. And if you don't like the dress, you don't like the dress. And you get to where you are. And he's not asking you to be somewhere you're not. And he's not asking you to be someone you're not. And he's coming. He meets you right exactly where you are. And he isn't judging where you are. He's okay with it. 
he's okay to come and have a conversation with you about something you're uncomfortable with. He's okay with that. He's okay with whatever conversation he needs, you need to have. I mean, you know, so you don't have to ever feel like you have to come with a pretense or like some kind of predetermined. I mean, I, I share this sometimes with, in, in, with school and stuff. I, I, you know, we have a whole lesson on it about, you know, God coming to me and asking me one time, what do you want? You know, and I'm just like, I think there's a good, the right answer. I'm trying to answer it correctly. Like Solomon, I want wisdom. You know, I, I want the right answer. And he's like, well, that's not what you want then, is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, so he wants a real authentic relationship with flawed human beings. I remember one time I was all mad at myself. I spun out on something. I don't even remember what I did. And I was in the car and I was so mad at myself. And I was just about to say, I'm such a, you know, I didn't know what I was going to call myself, but I was going to call myself something. I'm, and then he just interrupted me. I was like, I'm such a, he's like, human being. He identifies with our humanity, and he's not, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a relationship. Like Susan said, it's a real relationship. And that's what makes experiencing him so powerful, because until you can experience him being okay with you, how in the world are you supposed to be okay with you? The fact that he's okay with you gives you permission to be okay with you. And love yourself right exactly where you are in whatever state of transformation you may find yourself. Because you can't be somewhere you're not. And you can't even really tra get transformed if you're not willing to be honest with where you are. You know, if we're pretending before the Lord, pretending before ourselves. You know, I mean, just, it's okay. Like, you can let your hair down with Jesus. He is a friend to sinners. He's a good friend. He's a non-judgmental friend. And he's always going to encourage you. He's always going to remind you who you are. He's always going to tell you something good about you. And if you're deceived, he'll tell you. You know, if you got something wrong, you know, you're believing a lie, he'll tell you. That's a lie. Let me shine the light on that. Look at it from my, you know. He'll, he'll, he'll give you the truth, but he's not going to be mad at you because you don't know it. I mean, he's a God worth worshiping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me release, go ahead. Well, and you know, it's interesting, Susan, because my why, like, you know, one of the things we do in Emerge is we discover our why. And our why is the reason you're on the planet. Or your why is the attribute of God that he wove into your DNA when he was singing over you before you were born and said, well, this, this one's going to be a revelation of, bam, right? And mine is his goodness. It's his goodness. And his goodness is so good 
We're suspicious of it. We're suspicious of it because there's nothing like it. Everything, anything, anything except God being that good would be suspicious. Because nothing's free. You know what I mean? You work for everything. You get what you deserve. You da 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 everywhere but in the kingdom. In the kingdom, it's all free. In the kingdom, you can't earn nothing. In the kingdom, it's all by marriage and by birth. It's all an inheritance. And it's not about your goodness or your badness. It's about his goodness. It's a, it's a revelation of the gospel. It's powerful. So I received that, Susan, for all of us, for all of us. And I'll tell you, I believe that because I believe that. I believe that because this is, I mean, I believe that we are in a season This is what I what I what I've sensed. Um, it's like we've had in so many different areas of our lives, in various different ways. It's like a magnifying glass on ourselves, and it's like you can just see what's wrong. Okay, now whether that's you know, I'm dealing with, and whether that's, that's something you need a miracle for, even, right? You know, I'm dealing with sickness, or I've got this financial issue, or I've just got a problem. You know, I just can't seem to get out of this, kick this, whatever it is. You know, you just know, all of us are aware. You've been a Christian for five minutes in the American church. <clears throat> you are aware of what's wrong with you. Huh. Can I, can I say it? And frankly, that's what causes us to see what's wrong with everybody else. That's because we are so incredibly aware of what's wrong with us. And sometimes seeing what's wrong with everybody else makes us feel a little better about what's wrong with us. It's true. It's not pretty. But it, it, it somehow brings us some kind of comfort to know, you know, that you're not the only one. But you, you know what I mean? It, it's true, though. Um, but I feel like this magnifying glass, um, we really haven't looked close enough. Because I feel like the, there's the magnification that we've been turning on ourselves to see what's wrong with us. It's like we're just, it's like, you know, it's like a microscope where you increase the magnification, except what you're going to see is Jesus. And you're going to begin to see Jesus in what's wrong with you. Because that's where he is. He's in the what's wrong with us. He entered into what's wrong with us. He became what's wrong with us. And this summer, I believe one of the biggest things, just one of the biggest things God's doing in the body of Christ right now is changing our focus. 
and he's changing our focus. It's really an uprooting. I mean, people don't think about that being religious, but that focus on what's wrong with you is religion. That's actually a religious spirit. That's a legalistic, self-righteous, that's self-righteousness. It's trying to get right in and of yourself by fixing what's wrong with me. And that is not, I mean, that is what, that's the problem Jesus came to solve because that is an impossible problem to solve. You and I cannot do it. We cannot fix what is wrong with us. Woo, revelation! <laughs> right? And we're not supposed to. Like, we're not called to. That's not, that's not the gospel. That's not what the word teaches. That is, not, that is not the new covenant. It's not a self-help program. It is a self A new self program. It's a whole overhaul of self. It's a new creation of self. You're not that old person that had all that stuff anyway. You know, so that there's a, there's a, I believe, I really believe this all my heart, that the, that the Lord is increasing the magnification and we're going to find Jesus in what's wrong with us. You know, I remember one time I had an encounter, and I'll share this. It freaked me out. It really freaked me out. Because I was dealing with some stuff from my childhood and just recognized that, you know, I had taken on the, the blame for a lot of things in my childhood that, you know, I started to realize were not my fault. But I took it on. And the Lord was just, like, really ministering to me that this was not your fault. This was not your fault. And I just was, I was arguing with him. Well, then whose fault is it? It's somebody's fault. If it's not my fault, who is it? I mean, I really wanted to know. Whose fault is it? Because this is messed up. And I, 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 it's not my fault. What do you mean it's not my fault? You know, like I was arguing with him about it. And he said, Shalise, it's my fault. I was like, what? He said, all the blame was absorbed in me. I took the blame. It's my fault. Like, I mean, that just... Whoa, that's a revelation of the cross. We're blameless. Well, who took the blame then? Whose fault is it? It's incredible. It's an incredible, it's an incredible gospel. So I wanted to release that. That just and I, I there's more in that, you know, but it's this magnification is about to be magnified so that you see the Jesus in you, so that you see Jesus. You don't see what's wrong with you, you see Jesus. You see Jesus in you, not what's wrong with you. That's getting replaced. It's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what's right with you. Jesus is right with you. And if you look, if you look deep enough at what's wrong with you, you'll find Jesus because he became it. He became what's wrong with you. He became what's wrong with me. Good news. All right. Who's standing for financial breakthrough? Raise your hand. So this is a word for everyone that is standing for financial breakthrough. First of all, I want to read a scripture. 
Um, this, oh, it's a message. It's a powerful scripture. Um, this is, that word about the magnification is a word for you, first of all. So you need to get your eyes off of yourself completely. Okay, the Lord, um, when you're dealing with financial stuff, okay, one of the primary things that God is dealing with you about when you're dealing in the area, when there's a financial miracle that you're believing God for and you're dealing with lack and you're dealing with all the stuff that that causes, okay, is this, this is a truth that you need to grab. Numbers on a page or on a website, or on a bank statement, anywhere. Numbers, just numbers, financial numbers, do not define you. And if, 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 a, if, if the number is a lack number, and it can define you, well, let's be clear, a wealthy number can define you too. Because numbers define you. So you need to first of all recognize, you need to write this down, numbers do not define me. The word of God defines me, the Father defines me, and these numbers don't mean what I have made them mean. So there's all kinds of lies attached to it too. I'm a failure, whatever. I didn't hear God, like we just, we just you know, it's just like the numbers talk, that spirit of poverty, that lack just talks and lies, okay? So just you just need to know this doesn't define me, and whatever I think this means, I'm, whatever I've made this mean about me, about God, about whatever, you need to recognize that you've made it mean that, and you need to let that go. It doesn't mean that. Whatever you think it means, I'm telling you right now it doesn't mean that. Okay, if it means anything, it means God is setting you free from letting money define you. Now, that's deep. You go, is that sinking into everybody? <clears throat> okay, the second thing is, all you need to know is what is said in this particular scripture. You don't need to know. You, 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 that's the thing about these situations when, you, when you're standing for this stuff too. Oh, it just gets it's oppressive. It gets, you know, your mind, anxiety, ugh, all that stuff. You're trying to figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. This is from the Message Bible. It's in Romans 8. It's verse 15, and here's what it says. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What's, write this question down, what's next, Papa? What's next? All you need is the next step. You don't need a 75-page dissertation. Go get the pots. Get them up with water. Go get some jars. Borrow them from your neighbors. Go get the axe head. I mean, you don't, 
can know. It's not about you, so stop making it about you. Stop making numbers an idol in your life that has the power to define you because it does not have the power to define you. The amount of money in your bank account does not define you. Whether it's $10 million or you're overdrawn $10 million, that number does not have authority over you. And you need to begin to speak to it exactly like that. You do not define me. My God defines me. And I am a son. I am an heir. I am a joint heir with Jesus. What is his is mine. You are, and if you're, if, you're, if you're negative, you're a lie and you're illegal. Poverty is a curse that is not my inheritance. And it's not mine to, and, and, and it's not mine to earn. It's not the blessing of mine to earn. It's who I am. But that, that lesson, especially if you're called to steward wealth, Okay? You don't pass, you don't go past it. I'd love to say you can skip it. I would lie to you. I would lie to you to say that you don't get to go through to the billionaire status and the king. The devil won't let you. Because you have to strip him. And you can't do it in self-righteousness. <laughs> you can't earn the blessing of God. You have to be the blessed of God. Now, I know I'm saying it. This is kind of like your union. <laughs> I mean, I, you know how many times I've forgotten this? You know, I mean, the devil, the devil can come, different circumstances, blah, 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 to test it. Does she really know? Does she really know she doesn't have to earn it? Is she really, is she really not defined by that? Do these numbers define it? But take it from someone who's seen incredible financial miracles time and time and time again. I really know what I'm talking about. So just rest your heart. For just you gotta get yourself out of it. Oh my gosh, the self. I'm a loser. I never whatever. I'm a failure. Look, you know what? You're not going to learn without failing. You're not going to. You're not going to learn without blowing some money. You're not going to. You you have to get used to the idea that God can finance your learning curve. He can finance your process of developing a wealth mindset. He can finance your mistakes. So you need to start, we can absorb this. Just whatever, we can absorb this. My daddy can absorb this. This bad decision, oh, my daddy got it. He can absorb it. He, he knew I was probably going to make it. So daddy, what do I need to learn through it? Okay, all right, keep going. And let me say this, you're not anointed to run. You're anointed to face the giant. As much as you want to run, as much as you may think, okay, I'm not on the right path, I made a mistake, I didn't hear God. Because, you know, hey, Holy Spirit led Jesus right out into that wilderness where his identity got tested. Because I'll tell you what, you can't get released into, this, into the fullness of the call of God on your life and the power of the Spirit when you don't know who you are. Cannot. The devil will take it every time. Every time. 
every time, every time, every time. Your identity will be tested. And the financial test, you just need to know that's all it is. And daddy's got your back. Because you know what? You're still here. <laughs> you're still here. You're still kicking. You know what I mean? And you don't, if you make it as simple as what's next, Papa, you're one instruction away from a miracle. You're four instructions away from a miracle. I mean, you don't need to know what's next. What must I do? Tell me what to do. Give me an instruction. And then whatever he says, just do it. Because what we recognize is most of the time we have an instruction. And if we don't, we can get one. Now, for me, a lot of the instructions I don't want to do. I'm just being honest. In this last season, a lot of the instructions I have not wanted to do. Um, but as I did them, not only was there a, a breakthrough, but there was a healing. In my own heart, my own identity, my own way I saw myself, the way I saw others. Just a healing, an upgrade in my life. You know, and the Lord tells me all the time, and this is one of the things that, you know, if you hang out with me, you just have to get used to. He told me, he said, you know, Shalisha, you didn't ask me for success. You asked me for wholeness. Success always comes with wholeness, but wholeness doesn't always come with success. It may take longer, you know, it may, it may whatever, but you're getting the ground you take, you will keep. Is that good? So my word to you tonight, and it really feels like a corporate word because I knew some people were coming for this, is you, you just need to, you need to make up your mind that you're not going let, to let these things, this situation define you. You know, and here's the other thing too. When you're led into a place where you need miracles, we have to get, we have to come to a place where we actually have peace in that place. You know, where we have peace in that place. Because we serve a supernatural provider. Our God is a supernatural provider. And, and so, you know, coming into a place where you're in the wilderness and you, well, I need some water. You know, and you got to hit the rock and get some water. And you got to get dependent on God. And he's got to do everything for you. We don't like that. But on the other side of that season, you're solid. You're solid. And you can handle, you know, and it's not that God's withholding it from you. Let's be clear. This is not about God withholding something from you. This is about the way you think. You know, somebody, I was ministering with someone the other day. I think I shared this on this last webinar. And, you know, they were just thinking, well, you know, I was telling God he needs to hurry up and he'll heal me for these three reasons. And I said, what if God's not the problem? Like, what if God's not actually waiting to heal you? Like up there, like deciding, I'm going to heal that one on November 24th at 4 p.m. Like that, what, what does that mean about God's character? Like he's withholding one over here. Now you just suffer a little longer over there, sister. Like that's not, that's not the nature of God. Okay, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he works through our, our mindsets. You know? And it, I tell you, what we believe 
Yeah. Join me on the webinar I'm doing on June 8th about the wealth mindset too, because that's really about your money blueprint, what you believe about money, what you believe about your ability to deserve money. If you grew up in church, man, I tell you, we got religious programs about that too. You know, just what do you believe? How much money do you believe you actually deserve? I mean, I know we think we don't deserve it. You know, one one sense we don't deserve it, but then, but I'm telling you, there's something in your self worth. There's something in your self image. You know, all those things are in there. Okay, so that's that. Now, who's who has something going on in their body? Well, and let me just say this. If you will, I'm going to go back to this because the Lord's just telling me, because I, I feel the Lord's compassion for the anxiety that these situations are causing you. And so number one, I, I feel the Lord saying, I'm in it with you. You're not alone. <laughs> okay? This is not, you're not, you're not alone. Um, and I, I'm also just saying, just, Get out a piece of paper, get a journal, and literally just write down what's next, Papa. Have a conversation with him. Just journal it out, you know. And if you're if you're feeling like a failure, if you're feeling like, and let me tell you guys, I'm so qualified to talk about this stuff. I'm so qualified, you know. I mean, I have felt like the biggest failure on the planet more times than I'd love to tell you, you know. And you just sit down and you just tell him this, 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 this and you just let him encourage you. Let him remind you who you are, you know. And the other thing I would say that's really been a help for me is, you know what, get a few people that will pray with you. Um, you know, just maybe on a weekly basis, just over this particular area of your life. Just a couple people, just a couple friends, whatever, just, look, can you just agree with me? We're going to pray at Tuesdays on no at noon and, we're just going to pray over my financial situation because this is an attack primarily on your identity. And so let me pray for you too right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, first of all, I just break off condemnation in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the accuser of the brethren. I take authority over that voice that is disguising itself as them, first person. And just as their own voice coming and condemning and accusing and, and lying in Jesus' name. And I tell you to shut up in Jesus' name, you spirit of lack, you spirit of poverty. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I command you to leave these minds, leave these emotions, and you leave these circumstances right now in Jesus' name. And I call the sons of God to rise in Jesus' name. I say arise and shine and be seen, be seen, manifest, manifest, sons of God, manifest, rise up, rise up in sonship, rise up in sonship. And I take authority over the spirit of abortion that's trying to abort the vision of God. I take authority over the spirit of suicide that is trying to choke the life out of, out of people through the finance arena. And I break those assignments right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over just generational programming that has been imprinted into places in their mind, Father, that are governing thoughts and behaviors and feelings, God. And I just release the light to shine in Jesus' name like never before. And I declare that those plants that the Heavenly Father has not planted are being rooted up and being replaced with truth. In the name of Jesus, I just release truth that sets free, a knowing that sets free, encounters that set free, 
dialogue with you, Father, that sets free. And I release the answer to the question, what's next, Papa? In Jesus' name, in every single person's life, I release the answer to what, what is next, Papa? And Father, I take authority over anxiety, I take authority over fear, I take authority over insomnia and sleep-stealing spirits in the name of Jesus. And Father, I release right now, <clears throat> I just release a safe place, that safe place, that Abba, Daddy, little child place, where Father, they can just, you know, we can just, uh, what do they call that when you uh, regress? <laughs> I release grace to regress in Jesus' name into a childlike place of dependency, of dependency. I just break off just the thoughts that have had to try to figure it out, that programming, all that mess, that analytical thing that seems like it's responsible. I break that off in Jesus' name. And Father, we just just, we just to that pressure in Jesus' name. I command that pressure to come off. And Lord, I thank you. The only thing that you're responsible for is hearing you and doing whatever it is you tell them to do. I break off the, the heavy yoke, and Lord, I put on the easy yoke. That your yoke is easy, your burden is light. They are not responsible for their own provision. They are responsible for your just hearing and obeying you. That's it. That's it. And so we release the answer to what's next, Papa. And I thank you, Lord, for just miracles, financial miracles. Angels, you go and you bring what belongs to the heirs of salvation. You go from the north, south, east, and west, and you bring cold, hard cash into the hands of God's kids because Jesus is the lawful owner of all things. And so we break off right now, Father, every hindrance to that. I call every bill paid. I call every debt uh, canceled in Jesus' name. I call bank accounts balances into the, uh, the, the black in Jesus' name. And I call, uh, I, I just call everything that has been stolen returned in Jesus' name. Devil, you bring back God's stuff. And so, Father, I thank you for strategies, and I also thank you for breakthrough thinking. I release breakthrough thinking. I release a higher level of thinking right now in Jesus' name. Who in Jesus' name. And we speak the blessing over every single person here tonight. Father, we speak blessings over businesses. We speak blessings over ministries. We speak blessings over jobs. We speak blessings over job interviews. We speak blessings, Father, over every stream of income that everyone in this room tonight, Father, is supposed to be operating in. We command those streams to flow with no more dams, no more obstructions in Jesus' name. We command uh, just programs and cyclical cycles that have been operating, Father, in these businesses or in this particular person's life. I break those in the name of Jesus, and I declare that there's an upgrade right now, the path, they are on the path to an upgrade right now, and that that mindset that has held them uh, in this place of poverty is broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We speak the blessing of the Lord. The blessing. It's blessed. Everyone's blessed. Empowered to prosper. 
increasing more and more, them and their children. Why? Because we say so in Jesus' name. We speak to mountains of debt. We, speak to, we just use our words, God, and say what you say in Jesus' name. Amen? So let's pray this together. In the name of Jesus, numbers on a page, in a bank account, or any other type of statement, do not define me. My daddy defines me. The word of God defines me. I am a son. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir. I'm a priest. I'm a king. I'm a bride. I'm a favored child. That's my definition. And I am rich because my daddy said, I am rich because Jesus was made poor so that I might be made rich. Poverty is not my inheritance. Lack has no authority over me. It's not my identity. And it's not my circumstance. In Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to uproot poverty thinking and the mindsets that are hindering increase in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That was worth the price of admission, wasn't it? <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to pray for healing, but I also want to take up an offering. I don't want to forget. I always forget stuff like that. So, Cindy, Cindy, Sandy, uh, will you grab those forms back there in the basket and we'll do that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I want to pray for healing while we're doing that. And there's going to be some forms that are, uh, you can raise your hand and Sandy can give, give you one or Rachel can give you one if you want to give by debit or credit card. We'll process those. And then there's also baskets for cash and checks. And if, you want, if you're going to give by, we have envelopes, so if you want to give by cash, you can throw it in an envelope and get credit for that. So we got, if you need a cash envelope, if you need a credit card deal, raise your hand. Otherwise, we got it. All right, if you are here tonight because you need healing, physical healing, or you are going, something's going on in your body, raise your hand. Okay. Awesome. I mean, not awesome that you're dealing with that. All right. Um, see how the Lord wants to do this. Okay, if you know you need a creative miracle, oh, SJM, Shalisa Menes Ministries, SJM. So um, how many of you know you need a creative miracle, meaning I, I need a new body part? Okay, anybody else know you need a new body part? Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you, but, but the reason I'm saying this, when I say you know, okay, I, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm trying to figure out what it is. 85% of what is needed in this room tonight is completely demonic. You don't need a healing. You're dealing with a devil. Hey! So first of all, that's a revelation just right there. Okay? Because when you're asking for a healing and you're waiting to get healed... 
Uh, meanwhile, the devil's just having a party in your house. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not resisting it. You just think you think you're, you think you need a healing, right? Which hold on. By the way, speaking of. So, first of all, I just, I, that's the first piece I've got. So, I, I just, when I ask, do you, do you know you need a creative miracle? Don't just raise your hand because that sounds like a great, ooh, I'd like a new kidney. You know what I mean? Like, it's great, Dustin. But, yeah, I want us to kind of really think through that for a minute. Okay. For example, I prayed for someone one time who had had, you know, surgically removed parts of her ear removed. And she, her face was numb. And she couldn't hear. And the truth was, she was not going to hear <laughs> unless she had new parts <laughs> that connected the things that, you know what I'm saying? So that's an example. So I'm not saying if you need one, um, there's nothing wrong with needing one. I just want you to be sure. If you're not sure, I'll ask Holy Spirit. But I, I'm saying, how do you want to do this, Lord? So um, let me just, so Yama, what's going on? I'm just going to ask everybody. Everybody needs a healing. Just tell me what's going on. Okay. A gallstone. Oh, cholesterol issue. Okay. And does that in your family? Does that run in your family? Okay. All right. Who else? Sandy? Okay. That's definitely demonic. Okay. All over your body? Pretty much. Joint or muscle? Or both? Okay. Okay. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. That's a creative miracle right there. A new kidney. Thyroid. Okay. Hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism. Okay. Okay. All right. And who else needed one? No. What's going on? Okay. Okay. Who else? Okay, what's going on with her? Okay. You'd rather what? Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Well, Mike, we'll pray after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Say, say it again. Well, of course, yeah. Your cousin. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, well, let's just stand up, if you, and then Mike, we'll pray after, so I want to know, yeah, we'll pray. So pray, just stand up, and we'll see where we're going here. If you need healing, sorry, if you don't need healing, you don't, you, you can, if you don't need healing, gather around somebody else that does, and lay hands on them. All right. So. Okay, so I'm just going to pray just what I'm getting for you, Yama. Can you just put her hand, your hand down on her female organs? So in the name of Jesus, I just break every curse right now in Jesus' name that has been spoken over Yama, specifically by her dad. I break it off in Jesus' name. And I, and I just remit the sins of the Father. Right now, in Jesus' name, 
And I break um, that demonic assignment in Jesus' name and that soul tie and that generational uh, just uh, oh, connection in Jesus' name. And I break it and I declare no more. Ooh, and I speak a blessing over Yama's reproductive organs. I speak the Father's blessing. I speak that from the Father right now. The Father is blessing Yama's. Hey, in Jesus' name, I just speak blessed, blessed. My child's female organs are blessed in Jesus' name. Redeemed from the curse. And so we just speak to every hormonal system in Yama's body and we command it to come back into a balance, back into perfect health. And we uh, just command all of the tissues to be healed and uh, made whole. We just speak the perfection that Jesus purchased for Yama's reproductive organs in Jesus' name. And and Lord, we just um we do, we just get creative miracles where they're needed. In Jesus' name. All right. And so, are you? Did you feel? Did you feel anything in there, Yama? Did you? Okay. Okay. Is it something you could feel? If you would, you wouldn't feel it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, um, Yama, oh, being uh, gallstone, yeah, um, uh, cholesterol. I heard that wrong the first time. I'm still going there. Cholesterol. All right. Well, um, I want you to do this, um, being. Just because this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. I won't kind of formula. Just say, um, I renounce the fear of food. The fear of food. And I, and I renounce the lie that food has the power to kill me in Jesus' name. Now, I just break every doctor's report or every uh, lab report in Jesus' name, and I just speak to the cholesterol levels in Bing's body, and I command you to return to, to normal. I rebuke the spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name, and I take authority over a, uh, a spirit of inheritance and any connection to Bing's family's bloodline, and I just call her cholesterol levels uh, normal, and I call her to... Uh, Back to a place where she freely eats. In Jesus' name. Hey! Amen. Okay, you, uh, just the three of you, just pray for that spirit of tinnitus that's in Sandy's ears. And just take authority over that command it to leave. Command that ringing to go. It's a spirit of tinnitus. So just, hey, take authority over it. Okay, well, we just, uh, just kind of listening here. So just take authority over pain, Chris. Just over, have you been? Have you felt any uh, relief when Chris praying? Yeah. Well, just check it out. Check it out. I just keep praying for her, Chris. Over the pain. 
Yeah, say this with me, Susan. Say, I renounce, I renounce uh, an identity, identity uh, that I must live with pain. That I must live with pain. Yeah, yeah, in Jesus' name. And we just, I just unwrap, hey, this demonic entity that has assumed the form of Susan. Hey! And we just bring, uh, yeah, we just release, release her muscles, release her knees, just release arthritis out in Jesus' name. Just take authority of arthritis and pain. All right, and so kidney, right or left? Left. This one? We just speak a brand new kidney into this body by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey! And I just speak to this thyroid in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just speak, I just, who? I just speak a new thyroid. In Jesus' name. Just a brand new thyroid. Thank you, Lord. Hey! Thank you, Jesus. And I just break off a spirit of inheritance right now, Father, of anything that's come from her family. And I just declare that she's been redeemed. In Jesus' name. Awesome. All right. Legs. All right. Um, legs and swelling? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And any, have you had a diagnosis? I have gone to three people this week. They don't. Okay. All right. Well, in the name of Jesus, I just speak. Hold on, Lord. Just tell me what to speak. Hey. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. Just more, Lord. Just more. More Jesus. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh.
We thank you, Lord, for the manifestation um, of what you have started tonight. We just declare full manifestation. So we thank you for testimonies that glorify Jesus. Um, and we receive it, and we thank you for it. Woo, thank you, Lord. And we just seal, sign, and say amen to every single thing you did tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen, you guys. All right.